How dare you talk to me that way? You're so ungrateful and selfish. It's not what you said. It's the way you said it. You never listen to me. That's because you never shut up. Can't you keep that baby quiet? You can't tell me who I can and cannot date. Stay out of my life. I can understand why you are upset. God has always helped us. I know we can work this out. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for giving today. And uh, you just look beautiful. Second service, you're the best looking service all day on this campus. Give yourself a big hand. Amen. I even look good today. Amen. How about that? Every once in a while you can say you look good, right? Amen. Felt good this morning. Great day. Sun's out. That's yeah, a great. I, I'm so honored. I'm so honored to be part of this church family. I want you to know that I love you. I love what God's doing in our city. I love what God's doing in this church. It's just been a great, great journey. And I want to thank you for coming today. Hey, son, uh, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., we have family night. And it, this place rocks. You think you take our three services and we have kids' programs and, and you saw the junior Bible quiz, but we also have a program called Rangers for Boys and Impact Girls for Young Girls. And then our wide open church is just rocking this city. They had over 150 young people in here last Wednesday night. Come on, give God a big hand. Amen. And then we have growth classes, equipping classes, help you better marriage and study your Bible, all kinds of fun stuff. Hey, make yourself available. If you want to get connected here, take your next step in God. Wednesday nights is a great way to do it. Amen. How's everyone doing today? Good? Good. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture this morning. We're in a series entitled Family on the Rock. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about how to fight fair. How to fight fair. You don't fight in your family. Uh, I'm sure you've never had disagreement or an argument in your home. I'm, I'm sure your family is as close to Jesus. You're, you're way ahead of our family. But in our family, we've had a couple of disagreements over the years. And what I've learned is that I'm the root of most of them. <laughs> but if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. And let's stand together this morning in the honor of reading God's Word. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9. Matthew chapter 5, verse number number 9, and then we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 29. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse number 9. And Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Some of the most profound words ever spoken. I believe the most profound. God himself was speaking. God was speaking to us culmination of the life of a follower of Christ, a person who wants to be a disciple of Jesus. The greatest characteristic that is demonstrated in your life that you love Him is that you become a peacemaker in your life. And then I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 25 through 29. And Paul says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, verse number 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those 
who listen. All right, here's my one big idea. Here's the one thing I want you to hear today. Peace with God brings peace with others. Peace with God brings peace with others. This morning we're going to pray for a brand new church that started in our community in Winter Springs, Action Church. Their pastor is Justin Daly. He is a phenomenal young man. They're about three weeks old now. They had over 400 people for their very first grand opening service. We are so excited about what God is doing in Winter Springs and through Pastor Justin. And so our church family this morning, we're going to pray for this great church. Amen. Father, we thank you today that your grace is here. We are so grateful that we can be part of your kingdom. Father, it's not a matter of the denomination on the door. It's not, it's not a matter of our race. It's not a matter of even some doctrinal position that we hold. But it's because of your grace that we've gathered here today. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Justin, and I pray for the Action Church. and We pray for great, great success and favor upon this brand new church in our community. God, we pray that you will bless them. And then, Lord, I ask today for every person who's at the sound of my voice, that you'll give them a spiritual ear to hear. And then, Lord, for me, the the speaker this morning, I pray that you will help me. I can't do this without you. I'm totally dependent upon your grace today. I pray, Lord, that you will use my words and they will turn into your words in the minds and the hearts of the hearers so that we become more like you in your wonderful name. Everyone say amen. You may be seated this morning. Every once in a while, I I come across something I just got to read it, all right? A little... Fun. I don't know if it's funny. I thought it was kind of humorous. I'll let you make the decision for yourself. But the story about an older couple. It says, there was once a couple who had been married for 60 years. Throughout their life, they had shared everything. They loved each other deeply. They had not kept any secrets from one another except for one small shoebox that the wife kept in the top shelf of her closet. When they got married, she put the box there and asked her husband never to look inside of it and never to ask any questions about its contents. For 60 years, the man honored his wife's request. In fact, he forgot about the box until the day when his wife grew gravely ill, and the doctors were sure that there was no way of her recovering. So the man, putting his wife's affairs into order, remembered that the box was in the top of her closet. He got it down and brought it to her at the hospital. He asked perhaps now that they might be able to open it, and she agreed. They opened the box, and inside were two crocheted dolls and a roll of money that totaled $95,000. The man was astonished. The woman told her husband that the day before she, she was married, her grandmother gave her some advice, that if her and her husband were ever to get in an argument with one another, they should work hard to reconcile. And if they were unable to reconcile, she should simply keep her mouth shut and crochet a doll. Oh, he was amazed. Over 60 years of marriage, they apparently only had two conversations that they were unable to reconcile. Tears came to his eyes. He grew even more deeply in love with this woman. Then he asked about the roll of money. Well, what was this about? She said, well, every time I crocheted a doll, I sold it to a local craft store for $5. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) I want to help you today. Lots of ideas, lots of opinions on relationships and conflict. And And the fact is, if you live on planet Earth and you breathe air, you have conflict. You will have, it's a promise of Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. It's not if it's going to happen in your life. It's when it's going to happen. And it starts from the time that you're a little child. But when you enter into a relationship and you become married, things escalate and they really elevate to a different dimension because there's this thing that God wants to do in you. God wants you to become more like Jesus. 
And God uses, in a marriage, God uses your spouse to become more like Him, greater than anything else in your life. Now, if you're single today, God uses conflict. God uses troubles. God, it's the same principle. The troubles in our life are, are, are allowed by God to bring us closer to Him. Uh, but here's something that I know about life. This is what I know. God's Word as a solution for every problem and every need that I have in my life. My life must be built. We talked about it last week, about building my life, my family, my home, my finances, my job, building upon the rock. And the rock is Christ Jesus. And the words of God are those words that represent God's perspective and God's feeling about our lives. The other thing I know today is that no matter how bad your circumstance and situation may seem today, I want you to know that there's hope, that there is hope in God. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this. God says, is there anything too difficult for me? Is there anything for too difficult for God? Absolutely not. The God that we serve is a God that's in the restoration business. Our message this morning has three parts. I'm going to talk to us this morning about the source of conflicts. And then I'm going to talk to us about how generally respond. There are a couple of different ways that we are wired as humans that we tend to respond in conflict. And then I'm going to talk to us about how we deal with conflict. What's it? A biblical response to conflict, troubles, fighting fair, whatever you want to call it. What is a biblical response? How we are to walk this out in our life. The first thing I want to talk about is source of conflicts. Sources of conflicts in our life, many times just because of difference of opinions. Or differences of preferences. Now, when I first uh, got married, I had never had to share a bathroom with a woman before. I'd never lived with anybody. And uh, I never had to share a razor with a woman before. <laughs> My first big fight. Well, it wasn't the first. It was probably about the 50th, but it was only three weeks into the marriage. Uh, I One that I remember really clearly is I walked into the bathroom and I went to shave. And I could tell that someone had used my, my razor blade. Uh, now, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with her. It's just a preference of mine that nobody else uses my razor blade. And then we rolled over into the toothpaste. You know, that toothpaste, whether you li- put the lid back on or I'm going to put her litter back on. My wife tends to be a leave her litter off, off kind of person. And another source of conflict arose in our marriage. You know, these are things, they're not life and death issues. But then I realized that uh, I really don't like egg salad for lunch. And my wife really loves egg salad for lunch. And boy, another so- source of conflict arose in our marriage. <laughs> I mean, the fact is today we have different preferences. Some people in this room, you love Fords. We've got a group of guys there that love Ford trucks. And then we've got another group of guys that love Chevy trucks. And we have different preferences. And preferences aren't necessarily wrong. But preferences many times can be a source of great conflict. Little tiny things, seemingly insignificant, all of a sudden blow up. I mean, isn't that right? We've all experienced that. These little preferences. Because honestly, there's a deeper issue. There's something else underlying that hasn't been dealt with in our relationship. Uh, the, the second thing that I see conflicts, the source of conflicts in our life, is that we have different beliefs. We have a different belief system. Paul the Apostle warns single people. He says, single people, don't be unequally yoked. Don't marry someone that doesn't have faith in God. Don't do that. If you're a follower of Christ... Hear me today. The moment that a person who loves Jesus and follows Christ get entangled or become involved with or start a relationship with a person who doesn't know God, 
you might not have conflict right now, and you might be compatible in many ways, but I've got to tell you today, the moment you get married, your belief system is going to be a great source of conflict in your life. And we have different beliefs. We have different opinions. And sometimes people even of faith, of different mindsets or different upbringings or different backgrounds have different ways of understanding the Scripture. And they can be a great source of conflict in your relationship. The, one of the biggest fights my wife ever had, my wife and I ever had, had to do with belief system. Had to do with we just believed different things about how we were to raise our children in a specific area. It was just one area. Now, we had other things that we were able to but this one era, it turned into the biggest, you know, this was a long time ago, but we still have them occasionally, but not quite this big. I mean, but it was a huge one. It was a huge source of conflict in your workplace. I mean, you have someone maybe that completely disagrees with you, and you have to figure out how are you going to deal with this? How are you going to deal with someone that has a completely different belief system? I remember in the workplace, I was a young man, and this guy, he had a completely different worldview than I had just gotten saved, and he knew my previous life. He knew, you know, he knew what God had done because he, he saw it. He experienced it in our relationship. But he was one of the big sources of conflict in my life because he completely disagreed with everything that I believed about God. And so when you have different belief systems, you're gonna, you've got to work through, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to walk this out? How am I going to experience this that I truly can become a peacemaker? I can be a person a peace, at peace with God. The third source of conflict is just, it's really simple. It's selfish. Everyone say selfish. Because of you. I call it meism. I mean, the fact is, all of us, all of us have to die to ourselves. Jesus taught it. Paul the Apostle taught it. The human nature is bent towards getting its own way, doing things that they, they want for themselves, making me happy. Do you make me happy? Does the pastor make me happy? Does my boss make me happy? We go to work, and I understand the relationship we produce. I understand but so many times we go in with the wrong perspective that it's all about me. You know, where's, the pay, where's my paycheck? Where's the break room? And how many vacation days do I get? And a lot of times for people, that's their mindset. And the fact is when your focus is on me, you are setting yourself up for a lot of conflict. Conflict that's unnecessary because, listen to me today, when your goal is blocked, when your goal is blocked and goals get blocked in your life, you have desires, you have wishes, you have attitudes, you have thoughts. James said, listen, where do wars, where do conflicts, where do all these kinds of things come from in your life? They come from your human selfish desires. And the moment a goal is blocked in your life, bang, conflict. Some of the biggest fights you have is because you had a need or a perceived need in your life. And it might be valid and it might be real, but it was unmet. And you saw that other person as the source of blocking that need in your life. And bam, fireworks, rockets, red glare. I mean, there's that, set, that, that intensity that starts to well up and to fire up in our lives. Here's the deal today. God, conflict is an opportunity for growth. Conflict is an opportunity for growth in your life as a human being. As a human being, outside of even being a follower of Jesus, conflict is an opportunity for you to grow. You see, here's the deal today. We are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. You and I are called to be peacemakers. And the world of difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. 
Uh, let, me, let me put this in military terms. Let me, this is kind of a, a, an understanding that we have just as a culture today. If you're an adult and you've been around for longer than a couple of years and you kind of have a little bit of a basic worldview about what's happening, you know that there are places and regions of the world that there's only peace because there are soldiers in that region. Back in the 90s, our president sent peacekeepers to a region of the world called Kosovo. The Serbians and the Bosnians, they were, they, were, they were at war, and there was this bloodshed. I mean, these guys are literally brothers. They're first cousins. If they're not brothers, they're first cousins. Same language, same dialect. I've been to that part of the world. It is amazing. And it's still, that resentment is still seething in that part of the world. I was there last year. And, but in the 90s, we sent peacekeepers over. Peacekeepers. And we brought peace. And the reason that we had peace in that region for that time is because we had more guns, bigger bombs, and we had a stronger military. We were able to keep the peace. But the moment we took our military guys out of there, guess what happens? War happens again. So, so here's the deal with people. There, there's a tendency in the human nature. We, wanna, we want peace at any cost. We want peace at any cost. In relationships, you know, uh, we want peace. Pe- peacemakers rec- reconcile that, listen, the only way that there's going to be peace in my life is that if I deal with this issue that's at hand. If I deal with the issue that's at hand. I'm grateful that Chip Ingram is a great Bible teacher. He has this concept called, and it's really, really helpful. It really helped me in understanding how people are wired. He said people are basically wired in two ways. One, people are wired what he calls the turtle mindset. You know, they kind of have a turtle personality. Whenever conflict rises, they kind of, you know, you ever play the little turtle before, you know, the moment you try to poke the turtle, what does he do? Pulls his head in, pulls his arms in, just wants to avoid conflict. Doesn't, you know, doesn't want, don't, don't mess with me, don't touch me, I see nothing, I hear nothing, I know nothing, you know, and, and, and we all know people like that. And maybe we're like that. I mean, probably sometime we're all that way, because there's just some things that are too painful to deal with. And turtle personalities, they, when things start to go sideways, man, they, they, they withhold affection. They, they start to look for diversions, things to kind of throw, throw off the issue. Maybe, you know, they got an issue over here, and so they'll involve themselves over here so they don't have to deal with it. I've seen people who have marriage problems, and they throw themselves into volunteering at the church. I mean, night and day, night and day, because they don't want to deal with this problem over here, a relationship problem that they have with their spouse. I mean, it happens in the workplace. This turtle mindset is destructive in your life because you never bring resolve and you're never ultimately at peace with yourself and with God. But then there's also this other personality. I tend to be more wired like this, the shark personality. There's turtles and sharks. And sharks, basically, they're on the attack. We're going to get this thing fixed. We're going to get this thing resolved. Come hell or high water, you we're, we're going to talk about this right now. Uh, we were on our, you know, we were our first little season of marriage and... Uh, and I just, I remember, man, we had this conflict. I don't remember what it was about. Oh, my wife wanted to be alone. She got a little more of a turtle personality, and she wanted to be alone, and we were having a disagreement, and I just wasn't going to let that disagreement lie. And I chased her. I chased her into the living room. And then she walked out the front door. I chased her out the front door. And then she walked down the stairs. And I chased her down the stairs. And then she walked across the parking lot. And I chased her across the parking lot. And then she went across the street. And I chased her across the street. And then she kept turning around. And I said, we're going to fix this. And I was just sure people, these people are nuts. You know, two co- a couple walking down the street. And I'm, she's looking at me. And I'm yelling at her, we're going to fix this. Well, that was 25 years ago. <laughs> but we still have those kinds of disagreements. We still have challenges. This, this thing, we're going to get it fixed. I've had to learn over the years. I've had to learn how to deal with conflict, how to grow in this area. Now, 26 years of marriage. Come on, amen. 
I said till death do us, to, to, to us part. I, I believe wife for life. And I know many people in our room that hasn't been your experience, but I'll tell you, if you're married today, make it from this day forward your commitment. Your commitment from this day forward. If you're not married you're gonna, and you're going to get married, God's going to open that door for you. You want to be married at some point in your life, make that commitment. And it's wife or husband for the rest of your life. Over 26 years, I've had to grow as a human. I've had to learn. I've had to realize that God's Word has, has truth for me in this area of relationship. And so I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about how to deal with conflict, how to rightly deal with conflict. And a lot of things that I've learned in life is because I've done them wrong. <laughs> and so God has given me another opportunity. Here's the deal. If you get them wrong today, God will give you an opportunity tomorrow to get them right. And there's just something about God. He loves us so much. He's so concerned about our spiritual maturity and our growth in Him, that He allows us to go through things. Why did this happen? Well, a lot of times things happen, whether it's your fault, no one's fault, life happens, whatever the reason of it, is that God is teaching us to grow as humans and followers of Him. So how do we work through conflict? Number one, deal with problems quickly. Deal with problems quickly. For other problems, wait for the right timing. For other problems, wait. No, wait a second. You said deal with problems quickly. Oh, well, at the same time, other issues, you got to wait for the right timing. Now, Jesus said it like this. If your adversary wants to take you to court, then you get right on it. You go and make agreement. You try to get that reconciled, that relationship right. Then the scriptures also teach exactly the opposite. Matter of fact, Proverbs says it like this. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, for, or, you, or yourself will be just like, like him. Then it says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Here's the fact. Jesus didn't confront every offense. Jesus didn't confront every person. As a matter of fact, many times people answered, asked Jesus questions, and he refused to answer them. He refused to get entangled. And he said this to his disciples. Don't cast your pearls from the swine. One of the first things that I do, one of the first, I've learned this, and I've really, really, my wife and I, we've applied this, and we talk about this, and we process this in our family, in our home, is that I don't have to respond to every accusation. I don't have to respond to every conflict. I don't, as a matter of fact, one of the first things that I do when I ask myself, is this conf- conflict really worth the effort? Is it really worth it? I mean, is the person that I'm about to engage, is it really worth their time and my time to engage them in conflict? Because some people, they just have an adversarial spirit. Some people want to argue. Some people, their way of getting attention is to create drama. And so everywhere they go, they, got, they create drama. And the fact is, one of the greatest principles that you can learn in resolving conflict and dealing with tense moments is not to respond to disrespect. If someone disrespects you and talks down to you and... I mean, why do you have to respond to that? Because you know what happens. The moment you respond, your blood pressure starts to elevate, their blood pressure starts to elevate, and the next thing you know, you are rolling around on the floor. Two adults, you're just rolling on the ground, and you're just going at it. Why is that? How, how does that happen? Because you don't have to res, respond to every infraction and every single thing that comes your way. So are you willing today to spend the time and energy that's necessary to listen to that person. Are you really willing? So you've got to define that. You've got to figure that out right up front. So many conflicts have arisen in our home when we experience one of these things. One of these things. When dealing with conflict, when dealing with problems, we're really hungry. <laughs> we're, and when we get really hungry, and this happens, 
almost every Sunday, but lots of Sundays we've left church and we're really hungry. And when I get really hungry, my blood sugar, I blame it on blood sugar anyways, my blood sugar gets low and then I start to get a little bit angry. And then a couple of Sundays ago, we went to one restaurant that was closed on Sunday. Then, so we're like four of us, all in, a, all in different cars, right? And so, we'll, you know, we're, we went to this restaurant, it was closed. We went to the second restaurant, it was closed. We went to the third restaurant, and it was closed. And by that time, I wasn't just hungry. Now I'm really angry <laughs> because I'm tired. And so if you got that hat thing going, hungry, angry, tired, or whatever it is in your life that you know is a mechanism for you to get kind of just easily riled, just... Whatever the issue is, I mean, you might have to deal with it, but put it on the hold for that moment. Because when you respond, when you respond or you react in that kind of environment, man, conflict just erupts. Problems get bigger. Things that you really, you know, you should, yeah, you wanted to say it, but you were, you were disciplined enough when you weren't hungry, you weren't angry, you weren't tired, now you're saying that. So, so deal with problems quickly, but other problems, you've got to wait. This is wisdom. This is wisdom. And, and all you're getting, get wisdom. The principal thing in your life is to know timing. There ha- I've been so, and God has helped me. God has helped me. God's been so merciful to me. But i got to tell you, there have been some real big issues in our church that if I would have went right after it when the issue first came up and I first realized it, it would have been like this. It would have been like me taking a grenade and throwing a grenade in a certain part of the auditorium and blowing everybody up that was around there. Sort of been like emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And there are things that I've had to just wait on for the right time. It's very, very crucial in relationship. Wait for the right time. Number two, commit to handle issues with maturity. Everyone say, grow up. Just grow up. I grow, Paul the Apostle, he told the church of Corinthians, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me some areas of your life, you're just going to have to grow up. You're not always going to get it your way. If you're a parent today, let me give you a free parent. We're going to teach on parenting next week, but if you're a parent today, you know what? One of the best things you can do for your child, especially if your children are little, teach them to be mature. Teach them to respond correctly. Teach them to understand who they are. They are people of dignity, even as little children, and they they can respond correctly. They can respond to people. They can look someone in the eye. They can shake their hand. They can sit through a service. I mean, as a parent today, but as a human, just as an adult, you're in this room, you're an adult, you're probably over the age of 10 or 12 or 14, you know, 13, by mitzvah, you become a man in the Jewish culture. I mean, you can be a mature person. You don't have to let everything you think come out of your mouth. I mean, you can be a person that rules. This great signs of maturity to me is that people that can rule their own spirit. You can rule. You can rule your own spirit. In other words, you can take control of your emotions and just not let them go. It's a sign of maturity that a person can rule their own spirit. See, a mature person always seeks the best in other people. We believe the best. We hope the best. I got to tell you, you know, my personality bent is, you know, they, when they do these these gifty spiritual gifts, I'm, I'm a perceiver or a prophet. That's kind of my nature. And as a child, I was very black and white. Things that weren't black and white confused me, didn't make sense, and couldn't understand. And even as a young person, I was always had a cause, radical, whatever it was, always had some cause, always on. And as I've grown over the years, that I realized that wisdom, wisdom is the principal thing in my life. And it isn't about what I want, really in the kingdom of God is what is best for the other person. What is best for the other person? Handle your issues with maturity. 
talk as a responsible person to another responsible. Speak to the other person that you're talking to with dignity and respect. I have a cousin. She is, you know, I, I don't. I hate to put political titles, but she is extremely liberal. I mean, extremely like whatever the liberal cause is, and she's flying that banner. She's 60 years old. She's still vitriolic in her language. Uh, if you don't think like her, you're a you're a moron. She's that kind of individual. And and I've every year we have a lunch with her, or maybe a dinner with her, and I've intentionally gone to build a relationship. We completely think differently on many many things. But I always treat her with respect and dignity. I always let her talk. I mean, every once in a while, you know, my, and my, my wife, first time, you know, a couple of years ago, my wife was kicking me into the table because I just, I couldn't let one, whatever the issue was, I just couldn't let it lie. You know, my wife kicking me, hey, stop, stop, stop. But we were at Christmas. We went up and saw her again. And I, it doesn't matter if a person disagrees. You can still, you can still, you can still treat a person with dignity and respect. So be mature in the way that you handle things. Number three. Tell the truth in love. This is so powerful. Paul the Apostle told the church at Ephesus, love should always make us tell the truth. Love should always make us tell the truth. Then we will grow in every way and be more like Christ ahead. Now, this passage is interesting because what he's actually saying, if you read the whole context of this, of this scripture, Paul is saying, tell the gospel. Tell what God says about that perspective or that issue. Say what God says. And when you start to speak what God says into your reality, into your world, life starts to change. Things start to change. The fact is today, it's not my opinion. I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I hear. But I am moved by every word that comes from the book of God. There's 500 times in Scripture, 500 times the Bible talks about anger. You think the Bible has something to say about anger? Absolutely. Be angry and sin not. You can be angry. You can have things that are wrong and things that you need to deal with, but you don't need to sin. So the fact is today, the fact is today, we are to tell the truth in love. The goal, the goal is not just to get some off your chest. I mean, that's the way of our will. I'm going to get this off. I'm going to tell it and give it a piece of my mind. I'm going to driving down the street, accidentally cut somebody off. They start giving you their IQ. You know what I mean? They're going to let you have it. They're going to tell you. Then they... You just you pray that you don't come up to a stoplight and they're rolling down their window. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and don't say you've never done that. You know we've all done things at times that we shouldn't do. But the fact is, it's it's not love. You know what love does? Love overlooks an offense. Love overlooks. If you're easily offended, you're not operating in love. You're not operating in love. So we operate in love. The Bible tells us, the Bible teaches us. I love this in First Peter. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. And then listen to what he says here. But do this with gentleness and respect. You want to diffuse an answer? You want to diffuse an argument? You know how you do it? Soft words turn away wrath. Soft words speak soft. Because the moment you start to escalate their voice, your voice, their voice escalates. And then the issue gets out of control. So when we speak the truth, and we must speak the truth, we must speak the gospel truth, but we do it in love. Number four, don't allow conflict to elevate to what? To cussing, fussing, and screaming. <laughs> Just don't go there. You can do this by the grace of God. If you're a cusser, 
I'm going to do my Bob Newhart, if you've ever seen the little Bob Newhart clip, and he's, he's supposedly a psychologist, and he's got a woman come in with issues, and he just says two words. And he's, you know, he's going to charge. He's, and she goes, oh, how much is it? How much is the counsel? He goes, five bucks. And so she goes, look, that's all five bucks? She goes, yeah, just five bucks. And then she starts to tell him, the, he starts to tell him about the problem, and she goes, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Oh, well, what? No, you don't understand my issue. No, no, stop it. Well, I'm going to tell you, you can stop cussing. I was a cussing fool. I mean, one time I was in the job, and, and uh, there was a young lady that was working with us, and I was mm, this and that, mm, and I was just cussing. I was a cussing individual. I cussed every, all the time. That was my language. So one time she looked at me, she goes, do you speak any other language? <laughs> when Christ came into my heart, he changed my heart. And that hurt, that bitterness, because almost all that kind of cursing initially comes out. I know it's cultural, and people cuss, and you start cussing a little kid. But as a believer, follower of Christ, that's not what we do. When you start making a big stink and you're fussing and you're always fighting, you're always screaming, it's all, you know, and sometimes you just need to let your spouse or one of your friends, you know, my spouse tell me, she goes, I want to play it, I want to tape record you. Because <laughs> you're just so negative today. You said like five negative things in a row. Right? So we can, by the grace of God, we can change. We don't need to cuss. We don't need to scream. We don't need to scream at our children. We don't need to scream at people going down the road. A lot of people got road, age, road rage, man. People popping one another with guns. And, you know, this lady the other day, she ran over this guy, and then she backed up and ran back over him again the other way. That was some anger. <laughs> she needed anger management, you know. But what happens? You just, you don't control your emotions. So, listen, no cussing, no fussing. The Bible says it like this. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Get rid of it. Get it out of your vocabulary. The Holy Spirit will help you. God's grace is available. This isn't behavior modification. This is by the power of God's Spirit. He will help you. He will help you do this. And everyone said amen. See, today your words have life and death. The words that you speak have life and death. I want to help you today. I've seen this as a pastor so many times. People, marriages start to go sideways. And they're not reconciling. They're not practicing principles. They're just living by emotion, feeling. There's real conflict. It's unresolved, not dealt with. And then all of a sudden, this the most, most horrible, terrible, nasty language that a person could ever use in a marriage is this one word. The B word. And it isn't damn. It's divorce. Once that word is spoken, it just releases poison and death into you. And we made a covenant before God that we would not do that. We would not do that. We've had lots of issues and struggles. But we've never allowed them to escalate to that point. I'm going to challenge you today by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Commit to never using that word in your relationship. If you've been divorced, listen, man, God's grace is available. I always tell people from this day forward, it's wife for life. It's husband for life. Everyone said amen. Number five, stick to the issue at hand. Are you with me this morning? Are you hanging? Okay, you're not, I'm not losing you. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up here. I mean, stick to the real issue. What tends to happen in people, especially people that are avoidance or turtle personalities, is that they just let stuff go, they just let it go, they let it go, they let it go, they let it go, and then all of a sudden, you know, you burnt my toes. I, I told you I wanted butter on the left side, not the right side. I can't believe you did that again. 
And then poof, it just all this. And then you did this and you did that. And you never do this and you never do that. And you always do this and you always do that. And she was just a burnt piece of toast. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? Stick to the issues at hand. I mean, just deal with one thing at a time. One of the biggest disagreements that we ever had many, many years ago had to do with the area of money. I had to do with money. And my wife at that time, you know, she's the smart one in the family. She's got four degrees, and she's a smart one, and got a business degree, an accounting degree, and all these different things. And so I said, let her run the money, you know. Let her manage the money. Boy, then, you know, but I didn't like the way she was doing it. So I would stand over. She's on the computer. This is back when they just started getting, and I'd stand over. I'm like, well, how come you did that and spent that? And then one day she just, and the wisdom that she had, she said, you know what? She says, if you don't like the way I'm doing it, why don't you just go ahead and do it? <laughs> I said, okay, I think I will. You know, in my arrogant, cocky way, I'm going, yeah, I'll take care of that. I'll fix that. Yeah. It was the best decision that we ever made. That was over 20 years ago. You know what? Maybe one small, tiny little argument in 20 years of our money, but we never argue about money. It's just not something that happens. Well, the Lord has helped me. God's given me grace as I've taken response. I'm not telling the man that he needs. I'm just saying for us and our family, this is how it works. And... and and God's grace has helped me, and the Lord's helped me to be a good steward of resources and finances, and the Lord has blessed our home, but, but I've taken the responsibility. So here, here's the deal. Whatever the disagreement is, whatever the argument is, deal with the issue at hand. Don't let it escalate into other things. And number six. Number six, listen to this. Sharpen your listening skills. James says be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If you're listening, you can seek to understand the other person. The moment you start talking, you want to be understood. Did you hear that today? The moment you start talking, it's not about what that other person has to say now. It's all about what you have to say. So when you're in contact, whatever the relationship, whoever it is, seek to understand what the other person. Maybe they have a different insight. Maybe they have a different perspective. My way isn't always the right way. I mean, sharpen your listening skills. Be a better listener. I've had to really intentionally do this because I like to talk. I'm a talker. That's why I'm a preacher because I like to talk. I love it. Many times I'll just talk right over people, talk right over my voice, talk right over my wife, talk over my empl- people that work, the coworkers. I mean, I gotta, God's, God really has to help me in this area. So be quick to listen. Be a better listener in your life. Number seven, make it your aim to make things right. Make it your aim to get things or to set things right in your relationship. First thing you got to do is you got to own. You got to own your own responsibility, your own part of it. You gotta own. You gotta. You gotta admit that you're not perfect. You gotta. And we, you already know that instinctively. But when you get into the conflict mode, man, it's you want to be right and you're right and they're wrong and they did this and they did that. Whatever you know, it's a marriage. It's going south. They did this. They did that. And you can't own your part. It takes two to tango. Two to dance. I mean, it takes two to make a relationship. Whatever the relationship is. So you gotta own your part. You gotta get before God. You say, God, show me my heart. David said, you know, God, let the spotlight of your word let it shine upon my heart. Your words a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I won't sit again. I mean, get the word of God begin to illuminate to you. Where, there's some areas that you need to change. There's some areas maybe you're re- reacting too much. Maybe you're take, picking up offenses that you don't. I mean, I don't know. It's you know, this is between you, Lord. Take own your own part of it. Own your own part of it. The second thing that you got to do. The second thing you got to confess. One of the hardest things for most people is to admit that they're wrong. It's, it's just, it, and when you can't confess that you're wrong, it just, it stays clouded in darkness and pain and hurt. Hear me today. Can't, whatever the issue is, confess. 
James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and you'll be healed. There's power in confession. You get it out there in the open. You know what? I was wrong. Going to my boys room the other day. Man, I just blew it, son. Just bawling. Just, man, I just blew it. I didn't, son, I didn't say it right. I'm not a perfect dad. Man, I love you, boy. I love you. I and mean, I did this just not too long ago. I had to confess my part of it. There was tension. There was conflict. I had to confess my part of it. And the third thing is you have to forgive. You got you to forgive. You gotta, if you're going to make it right, you got to forgive. And this forgiveness thing is so big. This is so huge in God's economy and the way that God views things that if you don't forgive someone that's wronged you, God won't forgive you. This, is, this doesn't just directly impact your relationship. Which way is this? Horizontal? Help me out here. Help me. Okay. This way is vertical, right? It doesn't just affect you horizontally. If you can't forgive, I don't care what the grievance is. I don't really. You have to be able to release forgiveness. In other words, they can't keep you prisoner with what they did. I mean, they, there still might be justice and things need to be fixed and wrong, but you can release forgiveness. Because if you don't do that, Jesus said, when you don't forgive, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. You get stuck in your spiritual life. It won't work. Things don't work. It just, it's a fact. Whatever the forgiveness is, whatever the issue, you've got to release forgiveness in your life. Jesus had some horrible things done to him. He was accused, falsely accused, beaten, taken advantage of, beaten, beaten, beaten senselessly. And he hung on a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. Walk in and forgive us. Close your eyes. Actually, why don't you stand with me? I've got to wrap this up. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Now close your eyes. Now that you're standing. <laughs> oh, God loves you. The Lord loves you so much today. This was for somebody today. You know, every time, every, almost every time, every time I share a message like this, God's been dealing with stuff in my life. I mean, just in my own personal relationship with Him. You know, God's speaking to someone here today. Maybe there's an attitude that you need to change. Maybe there's a person that you need to forgive. In this holy moment, in this holy moment, I know it wasn't a shout and yell and run around the, the room kind of message, but I believe the truth of God's word was spoken today. As clearly as I can make it, you got to hear this today. God loves you. God loves you. God wants you to be a, a peacemaker. And peacemakers are at peace with God. And when you're at peace with God, you will be at peace with others. But you're here today, there's an absence of peace in your life. You're a believer, a follower of Jesus, and there's just some things that you're just not right today. There's some hurt that's deep, and you haven't been able to work through the conflict. You'd like for someone to pray for. We're not going to embarrass anyone today, but I do want to pray for you. I don't want you to leave this room. But if that's you today, if that's you today, there's an absence of peace. There's conflict unresolved. You know that there's some things you need to work through. If that's you this morning, you can just lift your hand right now. I want to pray for you today. Anyone in this room, I see those hands. Anyone else in this room? Hands up. I see that hand. I see those hands. Wow. Nothing to be ashamed of, guys. All right, now I want you to catch your hand up. There's no one looking. I want you just to lift the other hand up. This is a sign of surrender. You're surrendering to God. You're surrendering to Jesus. You're saying, Lord, there was a lot of things said today, and I don't know how I'm going to do this all, but I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your help, God. I need you today. I I want to be right with you. Hands lifted high right now. Father, 
You see every person that lifted their hand today. But your grace is amazing. Your forgiveness is powerful. God, I pray blessing. I pray that you will speak, God, to their hearts. And as you're speaking, God, there'll be this washing. There'll be this forgiveness. There'll be this cleansing that only you can bring. God, this sense that there is hope. You're the God of hope today. You're the God of peace today. And I speak over every person who was bold enough to lift their hand and say, God, help me. Help me, Lord, to be a better follower. Help me to be a better disciple. Help me to be a better Christian. Help me to be a better person. God, I, I, I pray life. I pray resurrection life. Resurrection power into the hearts and lives of your people today. God, we thank you for your grace. That's so amazing. Your grace is so amazing. I love you, Jesus. Bless your people today. Bless your people today. Let them leave here changed. Let your grace go before them in your wonderful name. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to just welcome his presence as we